How was your um, summer? Some of our listeners may remember from a year ago, I believe we had the same conversation where we did an episode post-Plenaire, um, because Plenaire is like the busiest two weeks that, of that's my your, work that's year. Your, that's your Catalina wine mixer. Right. I worked 14, hour, or 14, 14 days straight. Damn! Um, most of the days were like 10, between 10 and 14 hours. And so then this is our week to recuperate. <laughs> recuperate and record the shameless picture show. Yeah, I That's feel like right. around the same time, yeah, I was I was being inundated with a shit ton of of um solo episodes I had to do. But oh like how, did you have at least a good time with the festival? I did. It was um our most successful festival to date. And damn um, right it was. And and I'm getting to the point at the station where we're really focusing on recruiting volunteers and interns. So I actually had quite a few uh, volunteers to help gather footage this year rather than me doing it pretty much myself. <laughs> That's good. It's a good feeling like when you're like, oh, the, the machine can run without me doing everything. Yep. Yep. And your hair's looking really cool. You got like this Jerry Lee Lewis thing going it's a- on. <laughs> it's so humid out here. <laughs> Well, you are right by the water, but if it makes you feel any better, uh, up until like the last day or so, Wisconsin hasn't been any better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and actually, one thing that's been nice, it's it was a blessing in disguise as taking time off because I hurt myself. I Yeah, I saw that. And uh, so I, I slipped down some stairs. I sprained oh. my ankle and I tore the meniscus in my knee. Oh. But the, fu- the funny part about all this, the, the it was a Monday, I remember this, that we agreed that, oh, we're going to take some time off, because uh, I was at the beach. The day before is when I actually hurt myself, but like <laughs> it was just like the top of my foot hurt, so I was like, oh, maybe I just tweaked it a little bit, I'm fine. I'm good, yeah. I was swimming and off. everything, I was running and jumping and, you know, cavorting around, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that pain hasn't gone away, let's just rub it with Icy Hot. Um... <laughs> I went to the chiropractor and I got my back adjusted. He's like, do you want me to take a look at your ankle for you? It's like, he's like, yeah, sure. The next morning I woke up, he's like, I called him back. He's like, am I not supposed to be able to walk today? I'm like, long pause. <laughs> no, you should be able to walk. Well, I can't. And like, funny I, story. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he hurt me. I don't think he like made it worse. I think it was right. just like a buildup of everything. And then him trying to make it better. Like, I don't know. I just think like it finally all just caught up with me. And right. then um, from, it was from all that cavorting. Yeah, and then after my 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 ankle healed, like no, I, it was that same day. Like I went to the um, Amanda got me some crutches. We went to urgent care, got some X-rays. Like oh, it's 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 a bad sprain, but it's fine. I'm like cool. The very next day, my knee starts hurting. I'm like that's not good. <laughs> and like my my ankle started feeling better, but it's like I can't extend my hyperextend my leg at all. And like, oh, that's not good. I actually then I have to pay another doctor bill and go to my doctor, and he's like, yeah, uh, you tore the meniscus in your knee. I'm like, god damn it! <laughs> so he popped a cortisone shot in my knee, gave me some um, Novocaine. I was okay. I was singing Three's Company the entire way home, and it's a three it's a it's a it's a half hour drive. <laughs> At least you chose an amazing TV theme yep. song. And then, and then it gets worse. Knee starts feeling great. I got mobility back. My ankle feels fine. I woke up one morning and was like, hey, I've got no pain. Let's go to work. 
and I decided to not wear <laughs> using taking my crutch. I wear my work boots that have no support. Foot balloons up. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, so that was another week on crutches. So now I'm fine, which is good okay, because I'm going good. to go, I'm going to the zoo today and fuck going to the zoo with crutches. Yeah. Coming out on our door. <laughs> We've been waiting for you. Where the kisses are his and hers and his three's company too. Company too. Ba-da, ba-da, bump. <laughs> so yeah, that for a half hour. <laughs> I say we we just ignore Mad Max altogether and you sing Three's Company for a half hour and we call <laughs> that the episode. Just a half hour. Um some of our dedicated listeners might appreciate it. But it looks like like I said, it looks like you're doing good. Your hair's all fun and Jerry Lewis y. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm no longer as injured, so, you know, yeah, we're all doing good. so good things all around. Yeah. It was a good month. <laughs> I, I agree. Like, I don't know, it was nice to, I, I, I was, ve- it was, it was very uneventful, but in a very eventful way. I watched 31 movies in July. Nice. One a day. Almost. Like, well, yeah, there's some days where like, yet, I had, but... I had like three movies in a day cause I had a day off or like, what I, 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 I went on a kick of like watching old, like warner brothers cartoons and uh nice. three stooges and i count those um i'm only at like 20 for this month i'm I'm behind i on the other hand have watched two movies this month i'm at like 140 something for the for the year oh wow <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> but like what well, we've always said this show brings movies back into your life that's right. I would have only seen one movie had it this month had it not been for the show. So I got to finally check Mad Max off of the list. Segway. Segway. Well, then I guess I should actually, you know, do the intro proper uh, because I have to say that now because that's now part of the intro. That and taking a sip of my coffee. And for the working man. A sip of coffee for the working man. Today's episode of the Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Vinegar Syndrome. Check them out online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the most interesting DVD and Blu-ray labels around because of their extensive catalog of horror, cult, exploitation, and vintage sexploitation films. Unlike most companies, Vinegar Syndrome is also a restoration company with their own in-house lab where they've done new restorations for companies such as Arrow, Massacre Video, and Draft House Films. Check out Vinegar Syndrome today and grab your copy of Dolomite, Sugar Cookies, Jack Frost, or even Psycho Cop Returns. While I'm a little more knowledgeable about the label than my co-host, I can assure you that I love their stuff. Whenever I'm at a convention, their table is one of the first I hit, and much to my wife's chagrin, I spend way too much time go- going over every single title. I own quite a few. So, once again, head over to www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Seriously, my money is on Christmas Evil. Go buy it. It's John Waters' favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> and therefore, it should be yours. He does a commentary on it. It's it's kind of great. He does a commentary with the director, which it's even better because he has a completely different like opinion of what the movie's about than the director, which makes it even better. Vinegar Syndrome. Check them out online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. That's for fucking with me, you no-business-born insecure motherfucker! Today's episode of The Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Mill Creek Entertainment. 
Milk Crate is the industry leader when it comes to value price DVD and Blu-ray features and compilations. They have one of the largest catalogs out there, ranging from kids programming, classic films and television, independent cinema, documentary, and Latino cinema. Hell, they even produce their own content in-house. Milkrete is a trusted partner with some of our favorite studios, including Sony Pictures, Walt Disney Entertainment, Warner Brothers, CBS Home Entertainment, and many more. And the best part about Milkrete is how easy they are to find. Milkrete has deals with thousands of big box stores, grocery stores, drug stores, and practically any other retailer you can imagine. Trust me when I say I've owned plenty throughout my time as a collector without even realizing it. They're a name I can trust. Some of my favorite releases include Can't Hardly Wait, Night of the Living Dead, House on Haunted Hill from their Vincent Price collection, the complete series of Quantum Leap, the complete series of The Secret World of Alex Mack, and of course, you're the hunter from the future. Head over to www.milkcreekent.com, that's milkcreekent.com, and see what their collection has to offer. I guarantee you'll find something great. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, is the fuel-injected suicide machine himself. Night, right? No, Nick Richards. <laughs> uh, when I heard that line, I was like, "That has to be it. That's it." The fuel-injected suicide machine. That guy really machine. liked. He really liked mentioning who he was in case they didn't catch it. I am the, the night rider. Seven times. Yeah, he was super into himself. I was. I am the night rider. Notice me, Tokata. <laughs> um, if if you can't tell by our references and the fact that Nick's flat out said it before, on today's episode we'll be discussing Doctor. Yes, I said Doctor George Miller's dystopian action film, Mad Max, which I have to say is an amazing title. I don't know something about Mad Max. Just like it's like both like childish but also, like, kind of threatening at the same time. It is so 80s. Yeah. I want... I Perhaps want... the most 80s title ever. I think we should make a spoof of it as the Shameless Picture Show called Angry Aaron. <laughs> Disgruntled Dan. Yeah. Alliteration. Stan Lee would love it. Um, directed by George Miller and written by George Miller and James McCausland, Mad Max is set a few years from now and shows society as we know it on the downswing. Main Force Police, or MFP, is patrolling the roads from uh, ruffians, ragamuffins, and crazed motorcycle gangs. I had to add both of those in there because it's fun. Ragamuffins. <laughs> Mac Rockentansky, which is the greatest name ever, is MFP's top officer. MS MFP finds themselves going after violent, sadistic motorcycle gangs. Let, oh, oh, sorry, a violent, sadistic motorcycle gang led by a charismatic psycho known only as the Toe Cutter. He leads his group from town to town, leaving a trail of destruction in their wake. 
They're put on Max's radar after his partner, Jim Goose, is burned alive by one of their underlings, and it becomes a tale of revenge after Max's wife and son are killed. With the law no longer on his side, rage in his heart, and a supercharged V8 interceptor on his side, Max vows to chase down and kill the toe cutter and his gang. Mad Max, upon a release, wasn't well received at first. A lot of critics didn't give the film, uh, didn't get the film, and panned it for its violence, incoherentness, and the killing of children. <laughs> and actually, Stephen King called the film a turkey. Uh, but that's not to say the film did bad. Variety praised George Miller's directorial debut. It grossed $100 million worldwide. It was awarded three Australian Film Institute awards and spawned three sequels, The Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and the Academy Award-winning Fury Road. Uh, Mad Max was the first major leading role for Australian actor Mel Gibson and also stars Joanne Samuel, Hugh, Hugh, Key, Hugh I hate this guy's name, Hugh Keys Byrne, fuck that guy's name, <laughs> Jeff Perry, and Steve Bisley. Tomorrow in a world gone mad. <laughs> the only law will be a renegade squad of suicidal cops. He's my prisoner, and he's not walking out that door. And the open road will be controlled by gangs of glory roaders. Max is a cop, one of the best. Where does they're out to get you? Scoot jockeys? Yeah, no man trash. Mm. Well, I'll add it to my thread collection. <laughs> You made the news again. Charges relating hmm. to the slaying of a main force patrol officer Who was he? in a road blockade accident last month. Just another glory roader, I guess. Toe Cutter is a glory roader, one of the most sadistic. Anything I say, anything you say, what a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. <gasps> I want my baby. You've not got a sense of humor. Please don't hurt my baby. You've got a pretty face, though. Both want the other dead. But only one can have his way. Mad Max. You don't want to make Max mad. Because when Max gets mad, he gets even. American International presents Mad Max, the maximum force of the future. So that's Ma that's nice. Mad Max. Mad Max in a nutshell, right there. <laughs> uh, now you have turkey. seen this before, correct? Oh yeah, I'm a big fan of the Mad Max series. And okay, well, it's not. Um, uh, most people don't agree with me on it. Um, the original Mad Max out of the original three with Mel Gibson might be my favorite of the three. Okay. I know you haven't seen the, the next couple ones, but we can dissect it as we go along. But I'm also the weird one that prefers the original Evil Dead over Evil Dead 2. Okay. I, I with the Evil Dead one, I liked them both equally. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so similar in so many ways. That it's more they, so like... I mean, they, 
if I if I'm bored and I want to sit down and watch a Mad Max or an Evil Dead movie, I my brain goes to the first one. If but now that Fury Road came out and that movie's a near perfect movie, that is usually where my brain goes to. But anyways, that's okay. unimportant. Unimportant. Um, I've I've heard from several people as we were leading up to me watching it uh, that yes that like their take was that the first Mad Max is universally thought of as the worst of them. Who said so that? Because yeah. have they seen Beyond Thunderdome? <laughs> I don't know. Beyond, like, let me paint you a picture. I know you haven't seen it. Okay. Beyond Ooh, Thunderdome. So close it. your eyes. It opened up. You know. <sighs> Take the movie Hook. Okay. And mix it with Mad Max. And that's set. So amazing. You you kind of wish it would be. It's like at one point, like uh, Max is, 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 is finds like this group of uh, of unwanted children, and that they they're survivors of like a, a big ass plane crash, and all their parents left and are no longer there, and they believe Max to be the captain of the sh- uh, of the plane that you know successfully landed it, and they're all like praying to him, and it's kind of like the way the way the kids look at admiration for Robin Williams and Hook. It's just totally very weird. Uh, and <laughs> Tina Turner's in it, and that's also strange. Oh, it's it's nice. It's not my favorite, but anyways, <laughs> I but I can see why people um, would consider the first Mad Max to. It's the least true to the world that they established in the next three films. Okay. I I will say I was expecting more of the Mad Max milieu. <laughs> um, like the, the stereotypical uh, Mad Max vibe that I know having not seen the movies. You know, like you get that this very tattered wasteland. Yeah, uh, th- this movie cobbled I, together. I punk. I kind of wish they would have they would have uh, made another movie in this world because this movie's got a very strange world to it because there is a society still there is a world around them. There's a city. It almost feels like the Australian RoboCop a little bit because like you know they've got yeah. a police force they've got um, a structure in place and then the next film. It's it's just nothing but desert. Well, and the the after Max leaves the force until like he goes all road warrior. Um, I see what you did there. The like, was thank you. Uh, <laughs> was almost pastoral. You know, often all the trees and the woods and the beautiful vistas and everything. Like it was kind of pretty. Like it wasn't. A desert wasteland, like I was expecting. I described it like this one time to someone. They were like, well, the first Mad Max doesn't fit at all. I was like, well, where was the first Mad Max <laughs> shot? Australia. Where was the rest of the Mad Max film shot? Australia. So you tell them, so they, they shot both of those movies in the same place. You can't just tell me that a couple miles outside of town, there's not just vast deserts. Like, if they shot all this shit in the same country, like, it all exists. Like, maybe there, this is just the yeah. one civilization. Like, we just don't know. We don't know. Um, yeah. There are some interesting theories, though, about Mad Max and why the films don't tie together and all that. But uh, before we start talking about that, what do you think of the movie? 
Um, I'm gonna have to agree with Stephen King on this one. <laughs> it's a turkey. A bit of a turkey. Um, I I a lot and a lot of the um, uh, reviews that you were reading in your intro. Like I'm like, yeah, disjointed. Yep, that was like well, it narratively needed some stitching. <laughs> um, I thought that the it seemed like a really good excuse to show car chases and car crashes. Well, duh. And that those were actually shot really well and and really well executed. Dangerously too, like it's like low angles and like George Miller said he 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 broke more than one camera on this film. <laughs> the like motorcycles bouncing off of actors' heads. Oh my god, this movie is so dangerous. This like the way they shot it. Um so so I think they did that really well and kudos to to the team for not just making a car chase movie like the the fact that they set it in this kind of post-apocalyptic or or heading towards uh maybe apocalyptic world pre-apocalyptic um I think was a really interesting choice and I I think the reason why there are several sequels and that they are so successful or you know uh especially the most recent one was because of kind of that secondary like well let's give it this kind of post-apocalyptic frame to a car chase movie Mm um because the i think the the merits of the story itself didn't get it to the next stage i think it was that post-apocalyptic the interest of the post-apocalyptic world that got it to another film. That's fair. And that's and that's me having not seen any other ones, so I I can't say for sure. Well, I can call... Um, well, no, you finish first before I start talking about, like, what I find appealing about it. Um, but it was, it was a really fun watch. Um, there were parts that I really liked, parts that I... that turned me off. Um, at, and the end left me confused <laughs> in a good way maybe um it it felt unfinished like i felt like there were like two more scenes that they needed at the end of the movie it was just kind of mel gibson looking listlessly on the horizon and i and i get that it's like this okay he was this family man that now the the motorcycle gangs have turned him into this revenge seeking you know they they took some of his humanity and that's fine um i also wonder if i maybe missed a thing or two with the way that it was cut like is what toe cutter was never caught or killed was he uh yeah he was uh Oh okay. He he crashed into a semi truck. Oh okay. And they had that great I scene did. with the eyes bulging out like a cartoon. Yeah. Which they, he he uses in all the previous films. Used he, that. Yeah. Oh, he, and he used it several times in the first film too. There's, it, uh, I believe Night Riders. It was the same eyeball shot. He cuts to it one time at one point in Fury Road. Awesome. <laughs> but yeah, he cra- he cra- he crashes into a semi truck. Okay, I think they were doing so much 
car shots and not jumping inside they you know they that i had lost track of the fact that that was toe cutter and that's fair like and i i will say like i don't disagree that I, the, the film feels disjointed at times and um that yeah i, I can't really disagree with that but for well real quick one thing i want to ask you though before i start talking about what appeals to me is did you watch the original Australian or did you have the American dubs? Because they redubbed the film with American accents at one point. Okay, it was definitely Australian. Okay, good. Because um, I, I've watched it both ways and the American dubs kind of ruins it. Because like, one, one of the most interesting parts for me is the character of the Toe Cutter. He's such a charismatic, interesting villain. Which yeah. is his cadences and the way he talks and moves and... Uh, it's ruined in the in the American dub version because the actor just does not get it. The actor who dubs him just doesn't. It makes him as a comedy character. Okay, I think I wanted, or not even wanted. I needed a bit more from Toe Cutter's. Like, I didn't get him. I agree. I wanted more of him too. That must be your friend over there. I didn't leave much of him. Must have cut his heart out. That's what I meant. Poor bastard. The Knight Rider. That is his name. The Knight Rider. The Knight Rider. Remember him when you look at the night sky. I will. Take your hat off. Anything I say. What a wonderful philosophy you have. Take him away. And it's okay that he's crazy and doing things because he's crazy, but I think you can do a crazy character and still understand the motivation of that character. And this one felt like, oh, I'm just crazy for crazy sake. Um, yeah, I get and some so. Of that. I had a hard time in getting invested in the motorcycle gang side of it. it. It never seemed scary to me because it seemed like they just kind of walked around doofily, and <laughs> with the exception of <laughs> yeah, that they did. one horrible scene, um, like he shot a mannequin or was going to shoot a mannequin until the other guy shot the mannequin. There was also that weird scene where he, like, started walking the guy out into the water and said, like, keep your mouth closed or keep your mouth shut. I'm like, is he going to drown him? I took but it. But then he shows up later. I took it as, um, I think I've just put way too much thought into this fucking movie. I took that as, like, a baptism. <laughs> well, that's what we do. Yes. Like, and, and, of course, I started you know oh water rebirth okay let's do well, this because like he, but it never paid off it did pay off for me he, he i didn't he notice took, it. he took it as i took it as a baptism where him bringing him into the fold of this group because um i don't remember um i think his i don't remember any of the names of the other 
uh, other than Kondalingi, because he had a great name, I don't remember, like the, the blonde-haired guy in his group who didn't want to go get Johnny. He's like, I don't want to get him. I don't want to bring him into um, this. Yeah. He had it's a, not... Was it Bubba? Bubba, Bubba. but it's something kind of like that. I think it was. I think it was Bubba. Um, yeah, so, something. But um, the toe cutter wanted him to go get Johnny, and he didn't want to. I imagine because he's not technically in the group, just like. Okay. Um, um, so when they when he did, and he had that baptism, because the very next scene is when they burn Goose alive. So okay. it's like I'm gonna bring you into this group, and you're like. Right. There, there's a lot that's not said, and I will be the first to admit that because of that, it can be confusing upon a first watch. Just like so, you wonder like, oh, why is this gang so bad? They haven't done much, but like, remember when they're chasing that car outside of town, that like w- like flame hot rod? You find out later on that they've destroyed the car. They've tied the woman up to the to the car, and you get the that, idea. That yeah, that been, was the horrible scene I was referencing. Been like, more than likely, gang raping her for a while. Yeah. Well, and you saw the guy like running out mm-hmm. into the field from that with yep. the bloodied tuchus. Yup. So. Uh, uh, yeah, that and and that, like, by today's standards, like that scene. I, I'm glad that they did a lot with implication. Yeah. Versus. I agree because that could have um, been a very uh, horrible. It, not that it wasn't a horrible for, scene, but it could have been worse. But they, the, yeah, that that they hinted at rather than showing, which a lot of films of that era did, like they used it as just a hey, let's show how crazy these people it, are. And, as chaotic and nuts as this film is, there is a. A, not a, not a lot, but there is a little bit of a soft touch to it, where there, he's like, um, you know, I'm not gonna just be a, go go full force with it. I'm just gonna imply things, and um, yeah, and he, he didn't go full Eli Roth. Yeah, and and, and I've, I've I've done a little bit of research about that was weird. Yeah, a light bulb just popped on. <laughs> uh, I've done some research about George Miller over the time and. Like, his career trajectory is interesting. He was originally a doctor. uh, And he was working on... He was working with the medical units that were scraping people off the road, essentially, which is where he got the idea for this movie. Okay, I was... uh, The... What did they call it? The... The meat... Not meat wagon. Something like that, though. It had a really derogatory... They referenced... Yeah, the the ambulance. Wanted to make a movie. Did... And, you know, was able to build a career off of it. But, like, he also, he he was involved in the Babe series. He was involved in the Happy Feet series. The pig? Yes. <laughs> okay. And, like, the movie Lorenzo's Oil. So, like, the man's all over the place with his career. Um, and, like, what I find fascinating is he, he, he mentioned this, uh, he's mentioned this in interviews all the time. That he the Mad Max series for him is a, he, he views it as a silent movie, but with sound. Where like okay. he said one of his his, his, his filmmaking idols is Buster Keaton, where yeah, and actually so much so that with the Fury Road they they, they when they released it on Blu-ray they had a second edition of it called the Black and Chrome edition where the entire movie's in black and white because that's the way he pictured it in his head. And okay. he, he want while there is talking in the film, he wanted there to be, um, you know, where you can enjoy it with, without having to to actually yeah. listen to it. You get the idea just by the way it's it's shot. Um, and I always thought that was kind of interesting 
just um, I had something else I was going to mention that, too, and I, I I lost it. That actually helps me put into context a bit some of the disjointedness of it, as if he's if they're trying to like de-emphasizing the dialogue um and and maybe a second watch with that in mind might uh i'd probably get a different read on it i view the mad max films as being contemporary australian versions of the man with no name trilogy okay because the Man with No Name trilogy, well, you know, there are, was, was that three, four films? Uh, trilogy, duh, three films. Um, <laughs> there, there's three films in that in that trilogy. Um, Clint Eastwood, does, his character doesn't have a name. We don't even know if he's playing the same character in each one. There's some similarities from movie to movie. But at any point, you can jump into any one of these films and watch them. And that's kind of how the Mad Max films are, because they're not so predicated on the fact of you knowing what came prior. Um, they're, uh, what, after Fury Road came out, because once because they, they recast Max in Fury Road, because Mel Gibson has fallen out of grace of everyone. And who doesn't love Tom Hardy? So let's get Tom Hardy in there to play Mad Max. Um, there's theories about that film where it's actually um, the way they just uh, a fan theory described it that I like quite a bit is each Mad Max like Mad Max in himself is a mythic being of the wasteland, and each one of these films is just a retelling of one of his stories. So he uh, is kind of pirate Roberts. I'm, I'm sorry. What the dread pirate Roberts. Exactly. From he, Princess Bride. He is the new man of no name. We, we, there's yeah. a couple of things that we know about Mad Max to be true. And it's in every film. Mad Max has got a baller leather jacket. He's got that V8 interceptor. <laughs> he doesn't talk a whole lot and he's mad. And, <laughs> and like that, that's the way I kind of view these films. And one of the reasons I like this original Mad Max so much is while, yes, The Road Warrior, for all intents and purposes, is a better movie. Uh, but what you were saying before about what you, one of the things you liked about this first Mad Max was it wasn't just a car chase movie. There was yeah. a little more meat to it. Mad Max 2 and Fury Road, for all intents and purposes, are just car chase movies. There's a very okay. thin story in, in, in Mad Max 2. In Fury Road, there's even less, but there's there's a lot of things they're doing with world building in that film that, for me, makes it better. Um, yeah. But where, where was I going? Oh, yeah, the, what I liked about the film. Because um, what, what worked for me in Mad Max was it was a movie that... there's not there there's It's not just a car chase movie. There's there's some character building there's um there's some sensitivity to it uh seeing max with his wife who is so fucking charming in this movie she is she's uh, good and it, um, it really hurts when she gets killed because of how much you like her did i and and maybe again i missed some of the dialogue i felt like when she was in the hospital and they were saying like it felt to me more like she was in a coma where her body's still alive, but she's unresponsive. She's. I guess we don't and, know that she died, but it's. A, I, I always kind of take it as it's a pretty good. Uh, um, I, I I don't know if they actually ever say it. Like we know his child Sprog 
Sprog is a terrible name. Sprog the, dies. Yeah. <laughs> um, we but, did know that. That was another one of those things that just kind of left me feeling weird at the end. Is why <laughs> why not? If you're not going to bring it back for for whatever purpose, why leave it open? Yeah. E- either have her die there. Or have a reason why she didn't die yet. No, I agree. Or that she recovers or something. And it was a lot of stuff like that that just kind of like... Um, the fact that Max never at least hinted to the last guy why he was going to burn him alive. That it was, you know, this is for my buddy. Not that it has to be that cheesy or that direct. Well, you know and why, you could, though, because... I do. The The bad guy doesn't. Why Why? do we have to tell the bad guy? Why does Why does there have to be that exposition? We're watching. Johnny knows what he did. I don't Max need knows what Johnny does, did. Like, why do, why, why, why do we need to explain? You get the poetic justice with it. I wanted I, some kind of resolution. Not necessarily exposition or, or him... He did that, drove away, and it just felt like it hung in a really weird way. And I think it's a lot of little things, not one big thing. And I get that. that I gave guess it that I just I guess I can't I can't figure out a way for this movie to end that's not going to to hang like that because, yeah. um, you know, it's I, I think the the whole theme of this film is what what is what does revenge really get you? Nothing. There's just a path of dead bodies, and then you're still there feeling pain. Like one one thing that really helped for me was one line um, when Max was quitting about how if I keep doing this, I'm gonna be no different than them. Yeah. So that when his wife and kid did die, or or coma, or whatever. Um, that pushed him to be them. So then, yeah, at least saw, that whole saw, ending he, montage. He, he saw it coming. Yeah. yeah, And tried to avoid it, but they pushed him too far. Like, that that helped a lot. But because there's so little dialogue and so little, like, real narrative focus, I, I was left... I felt like I was trying to reach for strings to tie it into something. And, I, I, and a couple I of lines that. really helped... And gave me a lot more than, like, like Suspiria. I I felt similarly, but Mad Max gave me a little more to work with than Suspiria did. Um, but you you know me. I'm, yeah, you're I'm you're, you're, you're far focused. more like you come from the the, the story <laughs> world where, yeah, you know, so for for you style shouldn't be substance type of thing. <laughs> I. I want the style, but I don't. Yeah, it doesn't can't stand on its own. I think that the for for my my philosophy at the end of the day, we're telling stories. Now that doesn't mean that everything should be spoon fed, or, or you know you can certainly do. Uh, I think we talked about this in the Suspiria episode. Like, there's definitely a place for art film. Yeah, there's definitely a, a place for. That where people like me feel a little uncomfortable because story's not this obviously spawned into three other films, inspired a lot of people, really great at world building, like um 
but as a standalone film watching it like i at the end of it all i wanted a little bit more story to to help ground all of those other great elements that's fair um I actually never th- now 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 it's kind of amusing to me. I never thought of Mad Max as being any sort of art film, but now it just <laughs> it kind of feels like like I just imagine like there, there was a, a couple stoners that I went to school film school with, and I just imagine them sitting back like I'm going to make an art film with fucking car chases. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what Michael Bay says about art film. Um, art. What's that? Art film is like masturbation. It's fun for no one but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, at first time I heard that, I was like, "You're not wrong, Michael Bay." <laughs> Never thought I'd say that. That's amazing. Just totally <laughs> emptied my mind of all of the places I was going because now I can't get Michael Bay out of my head saying that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw off the the flow of the podcast. <laughs> oh no, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was needed. Um, uh, I was talking. We were talking about an art film a little bit. I don't know if that's where your brain yeah. was going. The film being an art film. <laughs> but no, I think it. I liked seeing films that aren't coming out of some, uh, you know, studio process not and and that isn't a critique on studio films i i'm not one of the the people that are particularly hard on them but films that aren't super polished Mm -hmm. i really i i really enjoy you can see how it's built a little bit better you know, without all of the the polish and surfacing, you can see how the mechanism works a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and and so as a filmmaker, that's always fun. Um, you're a little more aware of the camera angles. You're a little more aware of direction and acting. And you know, when when it's not so good that it disappears. Um. And I got a lot out of this film for that reason. Yeah. It's almost... It, oh, I know oh. where I was going. Um, it, it was the perfect example of the filmmakers nowadays kind of spoofing that, like, 80s VHS, like, laser beams and, and action car post pop, like... You know what I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm I trying know, to describe that, about, like, that VHS cheese? Yep. Like VHS Mad Max cheese, ca- this... Mad Max started that. Yes. And like, yeah, exactly. And I actually, I actually love a lot of the Mad Max um, inspired films. Like the New Barbarians is a good one. Bronx Warriors. Okay. Ex- um, Escape from New York is one, but there's also one called Escape from the Bronx that's spoofing both of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and like, they're just so they're so great. The like, I love that there was a time in history. Where if a film was popular, the Italians were figuring out ways to, like, profit off of it. Right. Like, oh, Mad Max is popular. Let's make a bunch of Mad Max ripoffs. Oh, uh, zombies are popular. Let's do a bunch of zombie ripoffs. Like, I just love that that was a a thing. Um, Yeah. And it's, like, 
uh, going back to my Evil Dead comparison, the, re- the re- reason I kind of equate first Mad Max to like almost like the first Evil Dead, whereas the first Mad Max and the first Evil Dead are their own fucking things. Just they, they. It's right. almost like um, a fleeting dream, and then you wake up, and it, then you like, oh, this is what I'm used to, but I had this weird dream about it. Because you can jump into Evil Dead Two, watch Army of Darkness, and then the entire Ash versus Evil Dead TV show, and not even need the first one. You could start at Road Warrior, right. watch all the other Mad Max films, and not ever needing the first one. Um, and to me, that's just it's it's kind of interesting. So like, I, I I sometimes forget that the first Mad Max is part of that world because it's, its own little strange time capsule of a world. Because like, right? Miller is very influenced by like Joseph Joseph Campbell, and you know not only the hero's journey, but like you know the whole idea that a, a, a hero of a thousand faces type of thing, and you know. And that and that shows in in every film except for the original Mad Max. <laughs> right. Um, well, with, like with Evil Dead, and uh, you could tell very clearly that Evil Dead Two, Sam Raimi was just remaking Evil Dead, um, but. You know, he was just a, a kid with a camera that wanted to make something cool with his friends, which is how I started, which is, I'm guessing so that's how, how you started. I started, yep. Um, and and then people were into it. Mm-hmm. And he found money to do another one. And it's like, oh shit, now I can do everything I wanted to do the first time without all of those indie limitations. Well, without as many of the indie limitations. No, so in exactly. so many ways, it's it's the exact, it's, it's not a sequel at all. It's the same film, just made bigger. Sam Raimi and George Miller remind me of each other in a lot of ways, too, because, you know, people don't realize it, but Sam Raimi and George Miller are kind of like... It, are kind of like Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg in a way where they're so inundated and inspired by classic Hollywood. But, you know, Spielberg and Scorsese do more classically themed films. You know, like, oh, if someone says, oh, Martin Scorsese is inspired by film history, you look at his, like, filmography, I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> um, but, like, George Miller and Sam Raimi have those same influences, but they internalize them in a very different way. Like, if someone were to be like... Oh, George Miller was super inspired by Buster Keaton and Akira, and Akira Kurosawa. And you look at Mad Max and you're like, fuck, really? <laughs> but they, they, they internalize it in such a different way. It's like, you know, like, I love the Seven Samurai and I'm going to fucking make a car chase movie. Like, right, more power yeah. to, or like, you know, Sam Raimi is like, you know, I, I fucking love classic Hollywood cinema and old noir films. And, and the Three Stooges, I'm going to go make a demon possession movie. <laughs> I love that shit. I love when someone takes like non-traditional influence and puts it into something else. Like it's like the the slasher film I've been trying to make that's inspired by westerns. Right. Yep. Oh, and and you can go to the really huge example of that, uh, Star Wars. Yeah. Where it's it's a western set in space. Yeah, it's like a samurai film meets a western with a bunch of other shit and green people in between. Hero's journey and yeah. Yeah, and like the the seven. Did I say Star Trek or Star Wars? You said Star Wars, I'm pretty sure. Okay, that was the one I meant. (laughs) Now I never know. Let's play back the tape. And like, well, Star Trek is more influenced by literary sources than, like, Uh, I think that's one 
you know, not to make a Star Trek versus Star Wars argument, but I think that's one thing I always liked about... <laughs> Let's do it! I always liked about Star Wars. Like, I, I think I described it in our first, very first episode, The Shameless Picture, Picture Show, where we that's talked right. about Star Trek. I grew up on a heavy diet of Star Wars, but I occasionally snacked on Trek. Very little bit. <laughs> nice. um, and in that... I think the reason I like Star Wars so much is George Lucas came from it from a very visual standpoint. He liked the visuals of Westerns. He liked the visuals of samurai films. He liked the way these films looked and was making something very visual where Roddenberry was more influenced from the literary sources and the literary sci-fi. Didn't care as much about the visuals. as was more so trying to tell an interesting, dense story. So, you yeah. know... I was, you know, I, I'm there a candy kid, man. I want, I want something that looks pretty and tastes good. <laughs> so me. <laughs> but that, that has well, nothing to do with um, Mad Max. <laughs> I've got about 15 more minutes before I, I have a meeting, and there's one other thing that I'd like to talk about. Go for it. And that's the other movie that I saw this <laughs> night. So, did, did is there anything else that we want to say about Mad Max? Um, other than that, I feel like I would love to hear your opinions on Fury Road if you can ever get to it. And uh, I, I would very much like to see it. I've heard nothing but incredible things about it. It was nominated for Best Director and Best Film at the Academy Awards that year. Nice. Like that alone. And I'm, I'm assuming I know your answer based on what we've talked about today. Do I need to see the other two Mad Maxes before I see Fury Road? Nah, you'll be fine. Okay. Okay, so... The other film that I saw this month, I'm hoping you've seen it, but I'm, I'm guessing you haven't. Sorry to bother you. I have not seen it yet. No, you're the second person. Like I'm, I'm, I'm co-writing a script <sighs> with a buddy of mine. He didn't tell me I have to go see it. That's right. Oh, and and I I mentioned it to you on Messenger. Um, it it reminds me, the tone of it reminds me so much of the film that I made. Normal normal my favorite movie um and then has like idiocracy meets um uh the big lebowski okay but if it were direct but if it were a spike lee joint okay there's a lot going on in that it is so there is so much going on and if you see the trailers that only represents the first act of the film the next two acts just go off the fucking deep end. I'm hoping this this weekend me and Amanda are going to visit her mom. Well, we're going to the Dells this weekend, but before that we're going to go visit her mom in Iowa. And AMC Theaters okay. in Iowa, all movies are only five bucks. Nice. So I was going to try to drag her brothers to go see that. Like, And they have, like, they, okay. they are such, like, just stereotypical moviegoers. I'm, I'm, I want to drag <laughs> them into a crazy weird art film. Nice. Okay, I will hold off on talking about it then until you you, you can have a mention it. Just, it. You know, I don't. I don't. Doesn't bother me. It's actually making me more excited. I have, but I have to talk about this movie, and and this is the format, and you are definitely the person to talk to about it. So once you've seen it, we will we'll talk do a about little it. end cap. We will talk about. Uh, sorry to bother you. Well, then one movie I want to recommend to you because I've well. There's actually there's actually two a couple movies I want to recommend to you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make it to three for you, if you ever okay. get a chance to watch the movies. I've already told you that you need to see the lore. The lore. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I already told you. I gave. It, I. That tra trailer. It wasn't a trailer. It was a music. Video, it was a music video clip. for one of the songs in the movie. It's just so fucking weird. Oh, okay. 
Um, okay. And I don't know. I just like I can't really describe the the tone of this film, so I'm just gonna show them this music video and hope that does it for me. Um, <laughs> uh, the the two movies that I saw though that really blew me away this last month was a movie called Hard Times, which I talk about on the upcoming bonus episode. Uh, Mill Creek okay. sent it to me. It's a Charles Bronson film where he plays a bare knuckle brawler. <laughs> Um, nice. but it's like the most, it's the least Charles Bronson film. It's directed by Walter Hill, best known for the Warriors. It's his first movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, oh man. And it's, it's, it's great. It's about, he's, he's a, a, a bare knuckle boxer who comes to town and realizes like he meets this guy who, who books bare knuckle fights and he, his, his fighters keep losing and he's like, well, fuck, I can make this guy some money. And they go in and it, it's like about bare knuckle boxing in New Orleans and nice. James Coburn plays his manager, and he keeps throwing throwing away all of his money, and has to keep trying to book more and more fights for Bronson. And it's it's just got such a ten. It's it's like the Rocky of bare knuckle boxing. Right. I was just you're not a trap thunder. <laughs> the best line from the movie, though, I wrote it down because I liked it so much. The next best thing than playing and winning is playing and losing. <laughs> And then there's one on Netflix that I recommend that me and Amanda watched and were blown away by. It's called The Devil's Candy. Um, oh. It stars Ethan Embry, if you know who he is. Oh, I am well-versed in the well, works of Ethan Embry Ethan em- slash Ethan Randall. <laughs> Ethan Embry plays a painter in this who is also an extreme metalhead, which is pretty fucking awesome. Him and his daughter bond <laughs> nice. over their love for metal. There's a great scene at the beginning where like he's driving, he's got long hair, and he's fucking ripped to shreds. Like You could shred <laughs> cheese on his abs. And he's just like driving with the most intense face, just like headbanging to death metal, and his daughter's in the back doing the same, and it pans over to their wife. <laughs> to his wife and she's like can we listen to something less heavy like she loves them but she just doesn't get the whole metal thing necessarily but she loves them so much they move into a house they can't afford like they're struggling but they find out that like a um the person that used to live there it has been possessed by the devil and is trying to get back and trying to get back into his house so it's almost like a it's almost kind of like a um a uh, home invasion film with the devil that sounds incredible. It's it's great. It's called The Devil's Candy, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's on Netflix. Cool. I will check that out. Cool. So what do you want to talk about All next right, week, sir. Nick? Or should we um, should we take some time to figure it out? Let's I don't want to overcommit to anything just yet, but uh, I'd love to do our double feature. I would love to as well. If we can make that work. Um, if if the calendar can accommodate it. Yeah. Um, oh, and the other one, we were talking with a friend of mine about doing Ghostbusters. Yeah, and don't you still have to do Beetlejuice at some point with your, a buddy of yours? Yeah, yeah. So I say, let's, given I just took a look at my calendar, let's do uh, Ghostbusters as long as I can get... Uh, my buddy in on it deal i'm down for ghostbusters nice um it is i i really should redo my top five films because it is a tragedy that ghostbusters is not in my top five i've only got a top four right now oh okay maybe ghostbusters will be five we'll see save that fifth slot for ghostbusters because it will (laughs) 
uh, we'll, we'll talk about it further in the Ghostbusters episode. But it's one of the things like I always knew about Ghostbusters. It was on all the time, but I'd never watched the movie from beginning to end. I saw bits and pieces here and there, and yep. out of context. Yep. Out of context, it was like, I don't get it. So, <laughs> so, so good. Okay, I'm, I'm okay. holding you to this. Let's, let's do Ghostbusters. But, but here we are next week. Next time we do an episode, we're gonna and you're gonna be going on about how much you love Ghostbusters, and I'll be like. You know, it's incoherent, and... <laughs> I didn't really love it. <laughs> it's, you know what? I agree with Stephen King. It's a turkey. <laughs> this is the, I have to say, this is the most hated being you've gotten in an episode thus far, and it wasn't even that bad. Yeah. But we're like, we actually oh, no. argued. But... <laughs> You're wrong. Your opinion is bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you and everyone in your life. And the horse you rode in on. Especially that guy. <laughs> Uh, all things considered, though, I think it was a fun episode. That reminds me of Sorry to Bother You, which is, you'll understand I, you watch I, it. I will have to see it this weekend. I'm, <laughs> I'm off until Wednesday, so I've got some time. Nice. All right, sir. All right, brother. Was, As always, a real pleasure. All right. Wait, actually, I, I got to get better at doing oh. this. Um, thank you guys for listening to the Shameless Picture Show. Oh, yeah. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. And Stitcher Radio, as always, you can also find Damn. you can find us on um, on Facebook. It's the loneliest Facebook group around. We both of us individually <laughs> are on Facebook, and you can find me on all social media platforms, including Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, which I don't use very much. Michael underscore Fires. Nice. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time, guys.